I've got a friend of mine on Facebook that describes himself as over 60 and a wee bit grumpy. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. It's funny, when I was um, a much younger man, I used to promise myself I would never turn into one of those grumpy old guys that you see sitting on a park bench or telling you to get off their lawn. You, You know the type. I promised I would never become that guy. And when you're young and, you know, you're in your 20s, 30s, even 40s, you can really believe that you're not going to become that guy. But I have to admit, in the last 10 years, bit by bit, I've become that guy. I understand now how that can happen. How you get to be in your 60s and grumpy. Now, really, I I am a very happy and content individual overall. I really am. But there are a lot of things that really, well, maybe I shouldn't let them bother me as much as as they do. But at that point now, I can understand it and I love it. Where if there's something somebody needs you to do, and I do some engineering work occasionally for a few radio stations on and off. If I'm down in Florida, I help WRMI. Delighted to do it. Nice people. But the other day, I have a group that just purchased a radio station in a big city, and they just kind of want me to drop everything to take care of a problem, and I keep trying to remind them, um, I'm sorry, I retired from that business. I'm not a parts store. Uh, I don't feel like using my car as a pickup truck to haul stuff from a place you don't even know where it is to another location you haven't figured out. There's something that has happened in our world in the last 20, 30 years. People people don't make thorough plans. They just kind of fly by the seat of their pants and try to catch up by a quick text and an email, and they never thoroughly address a lot of the things that need to be figured out before you take on a big project. And that's a typical case with this this facility um, near a major city not far from where I am at in Georgia. And I'm thinking to myself, how do these companies survive? They buy a facility, they don't even know what they're getting. They have repairs to be made, and they think, hey, we got it, so you're going to come down and turn it back on? And I'm saying, do you even have a key for your facility or the transmitter site? I don't have any of this stuff. And this guy is out on the West Coast. So I'm dealing with that, and I'm also dealing with the fact that I really don't want to do it. Have you ever been in something like that in your life where there's a job you could do And this is not like I'm young and I need the job to support my family. Trust me, I don't need this particular job. If anything, I'm doing somebody a favor for a radio station that has nothing to do with ministry, which is one of the more driving things in my life anyway. Why would I want to bother to waste my time driving in traffic and all over one part of town to another for a day or two and then all that goes with it? And so I've been thinking, you know, I I finally get it, how you get to be that grumpy guy. 
And it's because maybe, I hope my generation wasn't quite as bad in terms of taking on responsibility. I, I do think we were better than some of what I see today. Not all, but I see a little bit too much of some kids that just don't understand what it takes to pay the rent, to pay the bills, to keep the cell phone turned on. And many are still depending upon, you know, mommy and daddy, and they're in their, you know, like 20, but they want to be adults. So maybe I understand it now. You get to a certain age, and yes, you can, you're allowed to be a little crabby. You're allowed to, to be frustrated when people do not want you to impart wisdom or give them help on something. They want to do it themselves. I understand that. I was a bit that way, I know. But I also look back in my life, and I, I appreciated the wisdom of my father and the things that he taught me about life and the things that I should be doing in my life, the things to take on responsibility and the important things. And, and so I look back, and I listened. The same with grandparents. I, I listened to the wisdom and the stories of the life they had lived. More often than not today, a lot of kids, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah well, that was back then. How does that apply to me today? And we wonder about the future of our nation. Today, if I was to try to give you a title for what this program on this Thursday edition of Truth to Ponder is all about, it would be priorities. Priorities. A lot of times in our lives, and I'm as guilty as any other human being that ever walked the face of the earth in the last, oh, I don't know, 5,000 years. Sometimes you fail on your responsibilities and sometimes you finally do the things you're supposed to do. I see many, many students today, like even in my generation, we try to do the minimal to get by the things we have to get done. And then a lot of us, we get to our 20s and realize, man, I should have spent more time learning this out of the other. And you appreciate what you were given. And you strive to learn and build upon what you've got. But many, many young people today don't have a plan. They, they, they have no idea when they turn 16, 20, and even 28 or 30 what they want to do when they grow up. They don't, they don't cherish the education that they're being given in school. Now, I know a lot of the schools today, and you've heard me talk about it, many, many, many schools, especially public schools, are becoming more indoctrination centers in many parts of the country for a political narrative. But then I see some schools that have great opportunities for students that are willing to put in some effort, getting some free college-level courses beginning to work with advanced technology without having to pay a college tuition. It's called simply apply yourself. I get so upset when I look at some people that kind of blow their way through through high school in these days. When, when the school system is investing, and I'm sure a lot of it's wasted in a lot of administrative costs, but when taxpayers are being asked to spend, I don't know, between twenty and $24,000 per student, 
I'd like to have a real report card of what they do with that money, wouldn't you? So, yeah, today it's going to be all about priorities. And, you know, if you're old like me, you get to be just a little bit grumpy when you see time, money, and effort wasted. When you see when you see plans being made, business decisions being made, where they don't even have all the information or a plan in front of them. I always always told my kids, grandkids, what's your plan? And they learned with me early on, the answer I don't know is not an answer. It's, well, start figuring one out. Even, even if your plan is not what you're going to follow, you have a blueprint to modify. And you begin to recognize certain things you want to do in life are going to take time, effort, education, a little bit of drive, a little bit of incentive. I mean, look, I face that too. We all do. I'm not throwing off. I mean, I'm, I can go back to my time. I can remember there's some things I wish now if I could go back to, I don't know, 1968, 69. There are probably a few things I would do different knowing than what I know now. There are a lot of things I could have done different. I could have taken advantage of more opportunity. Time, as we've talked about in the days of the weekend show. I used to talk about time. Time is a commodity once spent. You can never get it back. It's non-refundable. All of us, when we are younger, think we have all the time, all the time in the world. I mean, when you are 13 years old, the idea of being 40 seems like a million years away. When you're in high school as a freshman and you think, it's going to take four long years to get out of high school and graduate. And do I really want to go to college for four more, two more, eight more, whatever your goal is for a job? Think about that for a moment. And then my wife and I were talking just last night. How quickly, I mean, how quickly four years have gone by for us. I keep thinking it was only yesterday we started doing some work on this place that we have here in Georgia. And I have to realize, had a question about an appliance. It's four years old. We came into this place to start working on it three years ago. And by the very early part of 2018, that's like two and a half years ago, most of what we have in our little place in Georgia was done. We just needed to finish a little part of the downstairs where I'm recording my program, where the laundry room is. around the corner, we had most of the place done. The hard part of the work was accomplished. Even the deck was repaired, all the things. And, and I, I think now, it's, I thought it was last year. I thought it was two months ago. When you get to that age, suddenly you realize that four and five years have flown by.
There are times I think I was doing something just yesterday and you find out it was seven years ago, 10 years ago. I was thinking about something that seems like only maybe last year or two, a project I was involved in, and it hit me. We started working on that 12 years ago, and it was done 10 years ago. Time is a commodity that once it is spent, you can't get it back. You can't say, you know, and this this is going to hurt some of you. You know, Mom and Dad, I wish I had spent more time with you. I, I wish that I wasn't so busy. I wish I could get back the time that I missed. And so today in the program, I'm just going to share a few little life experiences and a few thoughts along the way. A little bit of, shall we say, housekeeping and business, so to speak. I think for those that listen on shortwave, there has been a problem, I was told a day or so ago, with one of the transmitters that air this program. I don't know by the time this one airs, we have to record them a little bit in advance. I don't know if um, the 6 p.m. airing on the frequency of 9395 kilohertz will still be not working, or will it be back? Uh, We'll know shortly, I'm sure. But it just goes to show that you can't count on everything always being the same and things always in a state of repair. A lot of young people need to learn little things like planning. I knew I learned, I had to learn it the hard way, like most of us do. When you get your first car, you know, it's not just gasoline. It is an oil change. It is maintenance. It is all the things that go with it. Or the car doesn't last near as long and you're upside down financially very quickly. Getting your first house Suddenly, you've got the grass to contend with. Suddenly, you have to clean the gutters. Suddenly, if something breaks, it's your responsibility. There's, no, there's nobody to call in an office to come fix your problem, whatever that problem may be, a dripping faucet. It becomes your problem. I look at the world today, our political anger, our political angst, and the divisions that we have. I look for a better time, too. I really do. But I'm not sure if we'll ever get it. I believe that we have been doing things in the Western world that have been setting us up for a time, a time such as this. And I deeply worry about the future we're going to have. So what are your priorities? What, what kind of priorities do you try to, if you're a grandparent, are you given access to share your wisdom with your grandkids? Some, some are not. I know the feeling. I've been there. In some cases, I, I know from my work in ministry. What are your priorities? Unfortunately, for too many young people, it's like, uh, I guess to get rich or have this or have that or a new phone. And... All of us have priorities, but the one priority my, my parents and grandparents instilled with, in me 
is something that too many of my generation never bothered to instill in their children and grandchildren, and in some cases now even great-grandchildren. All, all good things. I remember this when I was in a church many, many, many years ago. All things come of thee, O Lord, and of thine own have we given thee. We say that or sing that after we have you know, taken up the offering for maintaining our church buildings and, and the work of the church. We have people today that that don't even understand that concept. It's it's all very self-centered. I can remember, I look at, I'm not trying to, once again, I, I'm not trying to be so generational that I know it all. I, I know that I don't. But there are things that are just blatantly obvious when you look. I got married at a young age. And did I know everything I needed to know when I got started? Of course not, but I worked hard to learn. I had a job. I didn't I didn't quit jobs without a plan. In fact, the only time I ever would leave a job is when I already had another one offered or it was time to move up and I'd already had that step taken. That I would turn in my notice at a radio station because I've already well, I've already taken a job at a new one or a bigger one. In other words, I would never take the risk of just saying, well, I'm not happy here. I'm going to quit. And I've seen, I see a lot of young people do that. You know, they're working the first job. They want to get paid 15 or $20 an hour with no experience. And, and you say, well, what do you, why do you think you deserve that? Well, I need that to pay for my iPhone or I need that to pay. Well, how about, how about you plan your life? And don't expect your life to be a minimum wage job forever. You know, I, I know I know people now. I know one that comes to mind, 32 years of age, still acting like he's 15, still irresponsible, still unable to hold a job, still lazy. When he works, great. When he gets tired of it, he just walks away or quits. Broken relationships are left in the pathway. And it's not just his life he's, he's, he's damaging. He's got some kids, too. And their lives have been damaged because of his inability, his inability to grow up. So I look at the things that are laying on my table today. When I got up this morning, I had some emails to make, people to contact, people asking me to do certain things on their behalf for their radio station facilities in two cases. There's one I'm inclined to try to find a way to help. I think this individual is in over his head, um, but he got there honestly, if that makes any sense. In other words, he bit off more than he can chew because he was a little bit misinformed in what he's trying to get involved with. The other, the one near the big city, they own radio stations. They should know what they're doing. And they're still 
still not getting their their act together to be ready to take on the responsibility of what they're trying to do. And so I've got to decide. Because, see, I don't need either one of these jobs. And the one would pay really well. The one, I may not get a whole lot out of it at all. But, you know, I would rather help the guy that meant well, the guy that actually would like to see his station not be some kind of a money maker or whatever. He, he wants it to be more of a ministry, and he's having a hard time figuring how to get that particular facility to be self-sustaining. And there are some issues that need to be taken care of. Nothing, nothing really that bad, but it can be done. Do I want to invest some time to help create something that can be of help to people? I might be inclined to do that under the right circumstances. Do I want to get into a situation where I'm going to have to be stressing myself out because of all the things left undone, unfigured out, unanswered? Yeah, that's something I'm going to have to deal with in the next several days. So, yeah. I opened the program today honestly telling you that I'm in my 60s and I'm getting grumpy. But maybe I have a just reason to be so. We only have so many hours in the day, days in the weeks, and weeks in the years, and we have no guarantee of how many we're going to have before it's our time to leave this earth. I think of people that I have known that have already passed away, some in recent years, some surprisingly from a surprising disease uh, that they never anticipated or a tragic accident, cancer that can hit anybody at any time. For those that listen, whether you like him or not, is immaterial. Rush Limbaugh is, you know, finding out that the cancer he's fighting is more aggressive than, well, it, it doesn't look good right now. And having had a wife that went through cancer, I can be more than sympathetic. None of us, none of us ever think that we're going to not see tomorrow or next year. All of us probably in the back of our mind when we were kids think that we're going to be living to be a hundred and, and, and being a hundred is a million years away. Even in my 20s, the idea of being 46 when the year 2000 hit seemed like a million years away. And then in the year 2000, the idea of turning retirement age seemed like another million years away. But suddenly in my mid-50s and late-50s, man, that... The, who sped the clock up? How did time move so quickly, so suddenly, so fast? Slow it down. Kids and grandkids are growing up too quickly. I mean, I thought they were just in diapers. What do you mean they're what do you mean they're they're, they're taking driver's education? I mean, the last time I thought about them, they were Yeah, look how fast time goes by. 
so this is kind of the long way to get to this this lesson in life. So when I talk about these places I could do some work for, where, where should I invest my time? Whatever time I give, I'm not getting back. So do I want to waste it, especially because time is moving so much faster? Do I want to have that time away from my wife, my family, my friends, my church, this, even this radio show? The things that are important to do things for somebody else that may never be important to a whole lot of people. Being a good steward of of money also means being a good steward of your time and your talents and the things that you have. Am I getting through to you today? For some reason, I knew when I sat down to record this program, I, I just didn't, all the notes in front of me don't make any sense. And I've shoved them off to the side. I'm just... I'm just going for the moment in this first segment of the program. I'm just trying to share from my heart to yours the things that I truly feel in my heart and my mind. No, I'm not really that grumpy, though sometimes it may appear that I am. I guess that it's when you have the experience of life and you've learned a few things and you see somebody making the same mistakes that you made 10, 20, 40, 50 years ago. But then again, some people have to learn the hard way. So for me at this, at this stage of my life, it's pretty easy. At this stage in my life, here's what I'm thinking. Only invest your time in the important things that honor God, are good for your family, and are good for our society. I'm not in that place where I have to get up at 3.30 in the morning and drive to work and get home at 4 or 5 or 6 in the evening working the long hours that I did when I was younger. That was a phase in my life. I no longer carry a pager. I know that's old technology. To be on call 24-7 to fix some radio station's issues when it's a thunderstorm and raining at 1.30 in the morning. I did all that. I paid those dues. And I've helped to train others in this business. And now... And now the time has come to what time still remains, what time God still gives me. Because every year, the older I get, I'm coming one moment closer to my eternity. And how do I want to spend that time? Chasing somebody else's rainbow? Trying to fix somebody else's problem that should never have been to begin with, or doing things that can change people's lives in the most tangible ways possible, impart wisdom, and share the faith. This is Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. And I know we've been talking this week, too, and I'll mention this a little bit now. Those that listen on shortwave, making some decisions which frequencies to keep, which ones to get rid of. 
I'm going to have to make that decision before the end of the month, and we're coming up on that point in about, what, under two weeks? Yeah, about 10 days from now, I've got to make this decision. So I need to know which frequency and time you're listening. You can give it to me in UTC, your local time, I'll figure it out. But it's kind of imperative because if people are listening at one time and not the other, I can't afford to do both. There is some cost involved. So believe me, uh, I'd appreciate it if you'd let me know. I've got to make those decisions and they're hard ones, I know. No matter what you do, not everybody's going to be happy. But I was given a gift to start this program. Somebody believed in what I what I try to do. And, and next week, I want to get back to some really good information that I want to be able to share with you again. Bring on some people that are knowledgeable to help us kind of navigate these very difficult and troubled times in, in which we live. It's part of what the program is all about. Today, I just wanted to talk to you from the heart. And I've I've been told in the past, sometimes when I do this, well, it means something to somebody and I hear back. And I appreciate that. We are still at our little house in Georgia. And we'll be here for a while. If you'd rather use regular mail, the address is very simple. Just use my name, Bob. If you forget the last name, that's okay. And it's 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, and then add number 263. That's our little box number that they use here in our community. And that is in Sky Valley, Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. Let's change gears when we get back. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. What to do with great ambition. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Ambition. Now we know as believers it's a worldly thing, not something good to have, right? Well, certainly great ambition isn't a good thing for believers to have, right? Wrong. You see, Messiah said, he who would be greatest among you must be the servant of all. See, the desire for greatness isn't wrong in itself, only when the greatness desired is selfish or self-centered and self-serving. But the Lord is saying this, you want to be great? You have the ambition for greatness? Good. Be great in humility. Be the greatest in servanthood. Be the greatest in giving. Be the greatest at love. Be the greatest in faithfulness and goodness. Be the best at selflessness. You're ambitious? Good. Turn ambition to godliness. Be the most ambitious at becoming the most loving and Messiah-like person. You want to be truly great? That doesn't come by being great at business or great with money or great with power or great with status or great with conquest. It comes by being great with God and the things of God. For the greatest of all is God, and he showed us his greatness, not by conquering and not with money, not with riches, not with power, but by lowering himself and dwelling among us, by loving us and stooping down to wash our feet. So you've got great ambition? Great! Direct it at him who is truly great. For the greatest one is God, and the greatest thing is love. So be great, be ambitious, but be great and ambitious in what is truly great, the love of God. 
Want more? Ask for the Prince of Life. Now, how'd you like to receive something so awesome, so great? It's been hidden for 2,000 years and never before revealed. You can. The awesome, unprecedented mystery of the temple doors and sapphires guaranteed to help you become strong and victorious, great in God. How do you get these great gifts? Easy. Just remember Jesus' Hebrew name and you dial it. That's it. It's Yeshua. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA and you'll be blessed. But call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, I invite you to join with me in bringing salvation back to God's ancient nation, Israel, and the unreached peoples on five continents, over a billion people. Just call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct, the nice Jewish boy, at box 1111, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. It's a nice Jewish boy, box 1111 in Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, and the zip is 07644. Well, until next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying Shalom Alechem. Peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah or HaOlam, the light of the world. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our Thursday edition of our get-together here on Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Well, we took the first half of the program and just kind of talked about time and priorities. And I think if you're an older person listening, you, you kind of understand what I'm trying to say. I use the term that I'm over 60 and grumpy. Well, maybe I am, maybe I'm really not, but I think it comes from seeing time wasted. And I can look back in my younger years, yeah, the memories are still buried back in there, and if I really think about it, I can think of times in my own life where I didn't accomplish the things I could have given all the opportunity before me. I think we all fall short. From time to time. You just don't want to make that a lifestyle. And there's where many parents today have gone astray. They they make excuses for their children and enable them to then be unable to function. And that suddenly becomes some kind of a new problem that needs to be dealt with, with medicines and counseling. And I have to wonder, I have to wonder... Is that the way it's really supposed to work? I'm going to wax sentimental for a moment. I can remember what it was like when I grew up. And I know a lot of people had it tough, even in my time. But we, we had a certain expectation. You know, we got up, we went to school, we got on a bus if that was the case, or walked, which it was when we moved upstate New York. And, you know, you didn't, you didn't blow school off. You didn't quit. You didn't walk out. You didn't, you just didn't do certain things. Especially when a, when I was in a small town, you'd be found out real quick, very quickly. And so we, we took it in stride on a day-to-day basis that there are certain minimal expectations that our parents back in my day had for me and my brother, my sister, all of us. I mean, we had certain things we were supposed to do. 
when the snow came down, whether it was in Long Island or upstate New York, out we went with little snow shovels and started to shovel the walkway and, you know, the driveway so we could get out to the road. We didn't hire somebody to do everything for us so we could stay inside and play with our toys. We just got up, got out, did what we had to do, didn't, didn't argue, didn't think twice about it. But today, many parents shield their kids from even the most basic of responsibilities, including cleaning their room, putting their laundry into some kind of a laundry hamper or helping around the house. And when you do that and they turn, oh, I don't know, 14, 16, 18, and 20, and they've never done these things, they're horrified that they now have to do them. Is it their fault that they feel that way? Actually not. Who made them that way? Who allowed them to become that way? Who did not raise, instruct, and show by example? how certain things are to be done. I couldn't remember. I remember his name was Mr. Hill. He was the driver's education instructor in our small little town in upstate New York at, the, at our high school. And he was an easy-to-get-along-with individual. I mean, really, I mean, this guy, he was pa kettle on Valium, just had nerves of steel to be, to be dealing with all of us newly given a learner's permit, driving around in this big vehicle, and he's just so laid back as we're driving, and nobody, well, we all survived, let's put it that way. But you know, one of the things that Mr. Hill did, and this included the girls in the class too, and he made it clear early on, he said there's certain things He said, if you want to pass my course, he said, it's more than just, it's more than just the state minimum of things you need to know about traffic signs, how to make a a K turn, how to parallel park, rules of the road. It's more than just that. You need to understand a few things about the car you are driving. What would you do if you had a flat tire? And you're out in the country. Remember, we didn't even have cell phones yet or pagers. We didn't, we were lucky to have smoke signals back in those days. We didn't have um, cell phones to call AAA. And if you're living where I was and you happen to be out in the country, it could be a long walk before you got to civilization. So, how do you change a tire? What things should you keep in the trunk of your car, boot as they call it in some parts of the world, for like emergencies, like flashlights and things of that nature, blankets, because in in upstate New York, it can get really cold if you ever get trapped in your car for a little bit of time because something happened to the engine and you're waiting for help. It may be a while and you need to stay warm. So... These were 
these were some good life lessons taught by Mr. Hill. And and all of us to pass, unless you had some physical reason you couldn't do this, I mean, legitimate, we all had to know how to change a tire. And we all learned how to use the jack and pull out the spare. Even the girls got into it and they were able to learn and I, and and they felt very accomplished when they had learned carefully step by step and were able to repeat it twice and you know they were good and safe to go just little life skills like that that were part of the time frame in which I came along I'm sure that with my dad you know the same thing in his in his time to show you the difference and and you see these little cartoons or memes or whatever you want to call them uh in in social media about the difference of let's say somebody oh i don't know in 1943 versus now you know some 18 year old and and they'll show something and this doesn't apply to everybody i get it but it it does apply to enough where it is obvious you know when my dad turned 17 His parents, my grandparents, signed for him to join the United States Marine Corps. He was just about out of high school in a matter of a very short amount of time. And you needed that parent's signature. And my dad, at age 17 and a couple of few months, ended up in the United States Marine Corps, serving in the Pacific during the Second World War. 17. We have 17-year-olds today it's too hot to go cut the grass on a riding mower today. I can't do it. Or or the one that really bothers me are those whose feelings are perpetually hurt and I need a safe space because somebody said something that bothered me. Make it go away. You know, when when young Marines ended up at places like Guadalcanal, U.S. Army soldiers coming in at Utah Beach. They couldn't make the bullets being shot at them go away. Many never made it to shore. I'm not saying all of our kids have got to be, you know, running through hails of bullets, but we need to have them be able to face the basics of life. And, and somehow, in 70-some-odd years, in 70 years, 75 years now, 75 years, we have gotten to the point that we are enabling children to be perpetual children in many cases. Now, I love, I love it. Let me, give you, let me tell you a little story here. Last week, I was at a conference in Virginia, as I told you in the first part of the program. And I met this young gal, high school student, who's a wonderful artist. And there's a lot of things about the Internet. She's she's just, I can't describe it, intelligent. Uh, She doesn't live for her phone and her social media. And she does this just wonderful artwork. And, and she is beginning to develop a cottage business, so to speak, so she can help defray the cost of her education. 
as she is moving and beyond high school. She has this rare desire to be productive and not depending upon her parents for every little thing. But another young guy, about to turn 21, he's had some health issues, obviously, in his life. He's going to college and he's going to seminary. Not easy to do. And he and I were talking one evening. Young guy, he just kind of reached out to me and we just started talking. And and he said, "I, I want to figure a way never to be I don't, want to, I don't want my parents taking care of me. He said, they've done too much for me. When's the last time you heard somebody say that? They have done too much for me. I need to do more for myself. And so I'm trying to, and, and he really is trying to process this through. It gave me a little bit of encouragement when I, when I run into young people like that because they're becoming fewer and far between, unfortunately, in this day and age. He wasn't constantly looking and playing with his phone. He had it turned off and set aside. We live in a world today that is not like the world of 10 years ago, 20 years ago. We have politics has become a blood sport, a really angry blood sport in this nation. We have people... Let me remind you of something that I can remember from my childhood. I was really young, but I, you know, I heard it a million times in the TV and over the years. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. The words of John F. Kennedy, who was elected president in 1960 and made, those, made that statement in 1961 as he took office. I can remember hearing that over the years I don't think I don't think a lot of politicians would dare say something like that anymore people look for what the government can do to take from somebody else to give to me so I don't have to get it for myself we have expectations that are nonsensical in many ways and maybe that's part of our problem in this world yeah, today I'm talking about just a lot of little things on the back of my mind, and it was all triggered by just people wanting me to do certain things, and I'm having to decide what is important in this life now. Is it fixing somebody's little radio station out there and wherever? No, it isn't. I've got bigger and better and other things I need to be doing in my life. Honestly, I do. St. Paul uses the term, life is like a vapor. Poof, here and gone. And for some, it's here and gone faster than for others. I can sit here and, and, and tell you that, you know, in my heart and in my mind, I expect to be living when I'm 87 years old. I may not make it another 87 minutes in this world. I don't know. I used to... I used to kind of tease my my late wife years ago. She she had this premonition she was going to die at a young age because her, her mom had sadly died when she was very young from cancer, and her dad died young of a heart attack. 
And so she always lived with this feeling, I'm not, I'm not going to live a long time. And ironically, it never bothered her, never disturbed her, never depressed her, never worried her at all. She just made it clear to me when we got married, you know, I'm going to die at a young age, just so you know. And we have an age difference and I'm older, so that means even less time. And I could never comprehend that. She was always pretty much in good health. And I just, I kept thinking, you'll be 95. You're going to be 100 before you slow down. And, and one day she felt something in her breast and the rest is history two and a half years later when we said our goodbyes and God called her home. I have been blessed with pretty good health all of my life. Have I taken the best care of myself? Oh, I could have done better, I'm sure. I come out of a stock of people that have a tendency to live long lives and get away with, uh, shall we say, not taking the best care. But does that mean that I am going to have some kind of a guarantee of a long life? This is a sin-distorted world. There's nothing to say that something can go amiss. I could be driving somewhere and somebody not paying attention at a, at a red light or a stop sign could come in my path or, and hit me. A lot of things can happen. That's why time is so important. That's why we've been, we've been talking about this in the first segment. As you get older, man, does time fly. And I'm sure those of you listening who are, well, in my general age bracket, you know what I'm talking about. My wife and I keep thinking to ourselves, we just bought that. We just got that. I I used to tease, not really so much tease, but I used to be remark, was remarkable. My grandparents would say something, well, we just got that refrigerator. I'm going, you got it in 1961. And this is like the 1980s. You know, we, we it, it's amazing how, you know, it all runs together as you get older. I guess there's so much memory and things in life that when, you, when you've only lived 10 years or 20 or 15, another 10 or 15 just seems like forever away. And now those five and 10 years drop like, you know, very quickly. Where did they go? My wife and I were talking about the other day. We're just sitting out there on the deck and and just looking at the beautiful evening. We finally had a nice time where it wasn't too cool up here in the hills and mountains. And it was like, where where did the time go? We as Christians should be redeeming the time. We're given this gift of time, a gift we can never get back. We need to use it wisely. There are things we should invest ourselves in. Of course, our faith, absolutely. Our children, our family, absolutely. Those are the things to really invest. 
And I've always said that it, you know, it, it, it is your faith that comes first, your God, your family, and then your job. And if your if your job is everything and your career is so demanding, and I know, look, I have nothing against those that put an effort in their career to do great things for their family. I've seen some men that really worked the long hours, but they figured a way to balance it. Some just can't do that. I can remember, this goes back to maybe about 1999, maybe 2000. I I can't remember. It's in that gentle neck of the woods. My wife and I had moved to Florida. I was the pastor of a small mission church, worked part-time for what was then known as Clear Channel Radio. It's called iHeart now, doing some engineering. But I, I felt very led after I was invited to look into something. Would I consider you know, being a part-time volunteer hospice chaplain? And man, I just thought about that. I didn't know if I could do this. I mean, how am I going to deal with people that are dying? Would I be able to to really be there when somebody passes away, to be there with their family. And I really debated it for several days. And this little voice inside really convinced me to make the phone call and say yes, and I did. And I started out taking all my classes and training, and that went on for weeks, and And we started out, a pretty good number of us started out on that first day. And then when we came back a few days later, well, about a third of them were gone. And I'll tell you, I think it was like only 20, 25% of us made it through. The rest dropped off because they realized they couldn't. And when they got really close, they didn't have it inside of them to be able to do something like this. But you know, that, that time before hospice started becoming very professional and wanting you to be very reserved about your faith, which I I think is just devastating. You know, I'm not a Unitarian. I'm not this all dogs go to heaven, uh, whatever mentality they want. I could never be, I could never be a paid hospice chaplain today because I'd have to compromise too much of my faith to do it. But with that said, I had a number of experiences. This one guy, this one guy, they had lived up north somewhere near Chicago, if I'm not mistaken, or in that area. And from the time he and his wife got married, he had this goal of retiring when I turned 55. And we're going to do it in Florida. We're going to get out of the snow. We're going to get out of the ice. And he just married his job and virtually abandoned his wife, barely knew his children. I mean, just did not know them. And he worked all those hours, traveled, and he was never home. He worked the weekends, always on the, always on the phone, always in his little home office, always with his briefcase, always with some paperwork. And finally, the vacations they took in the last, when he turned 45, were always down to this one place in Florida. And he kind of drove the show, and they found this beautiful house near Nokomis, Florida, almost right on the Gulf of Mexico, gated community. And he bought the house. 
And then he retired. And they moved there. Within a month of moving there, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and died. He never knew his family. You know, the Bible says, you know, solo by soul. Remember the guy that had so much? He had all these crops and everything out there in the fields. And, you know, solo by soul. I'm going to tear down these barns and build new ones. Oh, what a fool. Tonight your soul is required of thee. Invest your time wisely while we have time. That's why I've got to make some decisions about a few people that need my services. Are they the things I should be doing at this point in my life? And I think at least I can answer one, no. The other, I'm going to pray. And I hope when you look at the things you're doing with your life, you'll do the same thing. Am I getting through to you today? I don't know why I felt I had to do this kind of a program. You may be listening. I don't need this, Bob. Maybe I'll. Maybe you've already turned me off. You'll come back maybe in a day or two. I just felt that I had to share these thoughts about time with you today. Hopefully next week we'll get back to some of the topics at hand uh, in our world today to be prepared. I think that we're coming to a time regardless of the election we're still going to be facing a big change in our world and it's going to happen faster than you think and so i want to help us be prepared for those those days that lie ahead regardless of the outcome maybe things will get delayed a little bit but there's an inevitable pathway that we're going to follow this program is called truth to ponder i'm your host bob bierman you can reach me uh, at our website, with this, which is truth2ponder.com. Truth and the number 2ponder.com. If you're sending an email, it's truth. You can just go to bob at truth2ponder.com. That email comes only to me, nobody else. I don't have a secretary. I'm a one-man operation here. I record the program, edit the program, put it together, distribute it. And I read the emails, and I try to line up the guests to try to do it all. Maybe I, maybe I could use some help on this. We'll just see. So that's Bob at truth2ponder.com. And, and also our mailing address in Georgia right now. Let me know if you're listening on shortwave. It is critical to know time and frequency, time and frequency, time and frequency. Because I can't keep all of this up. We're going to try to figure this out in the next few days and the mailing address is 21 berkshire b-e-r-k-s-h-i-r-e berkshire lane at the number 263 that's 21 berkshire lane number 263 and we live in a little town in the very northeastern part of georgia in the mountains called sky valley sky valley georgia zip code 30537 tomorrow i'll get you into the weekend we'll kind of change gears entirely next week on monday well i think we're going to get back into kind of getting ourselves prepared for the world we're about to face but let me know that you're out there and listening and i hope today's program was a blessing and, and may have been an encouragement to you today until then till tomorrow may god bless this has been truth to ponder with bob bierman to find out more Visit our website, truth, the number two, 
and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.